three, two, one. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the 20s and 20 podcast, where we cover everything you need to know about your 20s in only 20 minutes. I'm Mallory Metz, and this is as good as it gets. Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of 20s and 20. I'm Mallory Metz, and today in the studio we have Luke Hawksworth. Luke, introduce yourself. Oh gosh, okay. Well, my name is Luke Hawksworth, 29 years old. I live in between New York and LA, kind of doing like a bi-coastal thing right now. And for work, I'm a real estate broker and I don't know, I do, I do a few other things too. I love that. You know, what's funny is when I first was given your name to reach out to, I originally thought your name was Lou Coxworth. Does that happen to you a lot? It doesn't happen very often, but it has happened before. I mean, look, when I was like in high (laughs) school and shit, like my friends would rag me and say like, oh, there's Luke Coxworth, you know, and just (laughs) all that. I try to turn it into a positive, obviously. It's like, yeah, Luke, big Coxworth. (laughs) I just thought that was so funny. Anyways, Luke, you have quite an interesting story. Before we dive too deep into that, this podcast is all about your 20s. You know, you meet right in that perfect zone of almost at 30, but not quite. Um, I just made it. I just made it. Any later and you would have been cut. We would have said, nope, can't have you. Honestly, though, like I'm not turning 30 this year. I'm just not counting it. No. COVID and everything that's happened, I'm turning 29 again. I think we're allowed to do that. I think you're for sure allowed to do that. So let's talk early 20s. Where'd you go to college? Did you go to college? And then right after college, what was your first job? Let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. So I went to the University of Central Florida in Orlando, the Harvard of the South. (laughs) Go Knights. Great school. It's like a resort there. It was an incredible time. I went there to study aerospace engineering. And then I realized that I wasn't that smart. And so, and I was in a fraternity. I was also in the Air Force ROTC and it like whooped my ass. And I like fraternity life better. So I switched my major to finance. Like every good frat boy I know. Like every good frat boy getting a business degree. Mm -hmm. Let's see. I got my first job before I graduated college. It was like an internship. Then it turned into a full-time position. And so I stayed and worked at that job for like a year after I graduated. And that was like 2013, 2014. And that was in Orlando. God bless Orlando. I don't know. I would never recommend living there. Um, I guess what happened from there is I kept working for like a year and then decided to move up to New York and figure shit out and start living my life how I wanted to. Yeah. Is it my understanding that you moved to New York without a job? Yeah, that's right. I quit. I was still working virtually for like two or three weeks because they needed me to help onboard the next person. So I wasn't like completely... I was basically without a job. After like three (laughs) weeks, I was like, shit, what do I do? But New York forces you to figure things out quickly. Did you already have friends there? Like why, I guess, why New York? Did you have hopes and dreams of New York your whole life? I actually grew up in North Carolina in in a small town called Hillsborough. When I was growing up there, it was, I mean, it's just a small hit town where you can hold your breath driving through downtown. And I mean, I hated it. It was suffocating. It was such a small town. And I think from a really young age, I mean, my mom will tell me, just like when I was watching movies, I was set in New York and all that. I was like, I just really, I want to be there. Like I'm going to live there when I get older. And even after the first time that I visited, I came back and I was like, yeah, like that's my place. That's more the pace that I see myself at. And the person that I see myself being lives in New York. So I got to a point where after I was 
in this job that I just hated and it was so unfulfilling. I was like, you know, if I don't do it now, when am I going to do it? I got to pull the trigger, move up, take a risk. What am I going to lose? You know, and it was the best decision of my life. Did you already know people there? Like, where did you live? How'd that happen? I knew two people there, but we weren't that great of friends. One of them was from my fraternity and we were like kind of friends. Like, I think I asked him if I could stay in his couch <laughs> while like I found a place and he basically said no. But I, <laughs> later I found out I went to his place and it was like a shoebox. I would have had to sleep standing up. So thank God. <laughs> I actually lucked out. The first place I moved into was in Williamsburg. I sublet for a little over a month. It was like a 3,500 square foot loft in this really cool artsy building. There were seven roommates. They were all creatives. I mean, talk about throwing yourself in a different life. Once that sublet ended, I moved to a story of like a month and then eventually found an apartment in the city in North Gramercy, Kipps Bay area and lived there for like two years. But yeah, I mean, initially moving to New York, I didn't really know many people. So um, then how did you expand your, I guess, what you would call a sphere of influence? How'd you get your broader circle? Just drinking. Like, it's always drinking. I'm telling you, it brings people together. Drinking, being social. I mean, everything. When I first moved there to, I got a job working at a restaurant and I'd never done it before because I wanted to do some acting work too. I was like, well, all the actors are like working at restaurants. It'll be a way to do that and make some money in the meantime. I think I did it for like four months or so. Got done with training and then immediately was like, yeah, no, this is not for me. But I met some good friends working at that restaurant. And I also met my future boss at that restaurant oh. too. Uh, I mean, he like paid with a black card and it said 80 real estate. And I was like, whoa, what do you do? You know, and it's like, well, I'm a developer and I own buildings and blah, blah, blah. Well, he ends up like setting me up with his cousin and it led to my first job. But yeah, basically through that job and through just being social, I mean, I was never in the apartment. I was always out. I mean, bars and everything stay up until four. I was closing them down. <laughs> I mean, just meeting people left and right. It's so easy to do that in New York, or it was rather, but you know, at that time. Florida and your fraternity well. really taught you to be the last man standing. I've been training my entire life for that, let me say. Then you went into real estate, right? And then found that to be pretty successful. You were content. You're still doing that, right? Yeah, it worked out pretty well. I joined a team. I was working with Ryan Serhant. He's like one of the stars of Million Dollar Listing New York. So I got to film on mm. that show for a few episodes and be exposed to that heightened level of real estate, mm -hmm. working in new development, redevelopment sales. And yeah, that kind of like catapulted me into the next level of the industry. Mm -hmm. And yeah, real estate's great. I just, I love the industry as a whole. There's so many different things you can do within it. I am enjoying it. That's still what I do. And I like see myself being in real estate in some capacity for the rest of my life, for sure. You're almost 30, so I'm glad you figured that out. <laughs> So early 20s, let's just say you just moved to New York. What was your dating life looking like then? I didn't date very much when I first got to New York. I prioritized dating and like sex life and stuff quite a bit when I was in Orlando. And I just realized that it wasted a lot of my time and I got very little fulfillment out of it. So I was like, I actually, I took like a, a little bout of like celibacy <laughs> or like something. I was like, I'm not hooking up. I'm not doing anything. I'm not like dating. I'm not wasting my time doing that. And honestly, I think that was like one of the major factors that contributed to figuring out what I wanted to do and growing in New York. So yeah, dating life was non-existent for me at first. And then eventually I met somebody and we started dating. She was actually a Russian Jewish girl. Her parents worked in the Diamond District <laughs> to the point where, I mean, we were like exclusive, but she couldn't tell her 
family because I'm not Jewish. And for me, I was like, well, I don't really want anything serious anyway. So I guess this kind of works out. But then obviously when you're with somebody all the time, you start to develop feelings and it turned into a whole thing. Great experience overall. Learned a lot about myself. I don't know if I used the apps. I don't think I used apps at that time. You didn't need um, apps. You were a real estate mogul fraternity graduate. You did just fine. It just seemed, it just seemed pretty, I mean, you know how to have to say hello. I mean, really in New York, like it's so easy to meet people when you're out. I think I did eventually start dating after that first relationship I was in. That's what flipped the switch for you. But then you ditched dating apps and ended up on a dating reality TV show for the listeners out there. Luke was on an episode of Dating Around, the Netflix series. It's a very interesting show. Before we talk about, I guess, the platform of it, I want to hear about your experience getting on to this show. Okay, so I gotten out of this other relationship that was sort of life-altering in a way because I was dating this girl who her family owned a ton of buildings in the city, uber wealthy, exposed me to this crazy lifestyle in the world and in New York that like, I just wasn't aware of. And it was very eye-opening experience. And so after that, it kind of like rocked my world a little bit to be like, okay, what do I really want? You know, in New York, you're so hungry to make a lot of money and you think that's what's fulfilling you. But then I was with this girl who had all the money in the world, but just didn't find happiness through that. Mm -hmm. And myself, I didn't find happiness through having the exposure to a lot of things that money gets you. So I ended up going on a solo trip to Europe and it was a little over a month long, just like an incredible and very big learning experience for me. And I remember on the flight there, I hate this word, but I feel like I manifested like something coming my way. Oh. I seriously <laughs> hate that word, but it works. I think that, you know, the law of attraction or whatever it might be is things come your way when you're hoping and wishing for them. And I remember on the flight there, I was watching the movie Disaster Artist. And it was like, a, <laughs> you know, about these two friends that moved to LA to become actors and just like following their dreams and all that sort of shit. And I was like, I do really want to be in entertainment in the movies on TV. Like I would do anything to just be on Netflix. I, I remember thinking that. So I went on this trip. It was like over a month later, I get back. Literally the day after I fly in, I get a face Facebook message from a girlfriend of mine and she tells me she works in casting down in Florida and she has a friend in New York and she was like hey my friend reached out to me to see if I know anybody who lives in New York who might be interested in this show I was like okay well what's it about she sent me this thing it's like we're looking for a guy in his 20s to go on dates with five different women food and clothes will be provided you know <laughs> you'll be paid this amount and filming starts in two and a half weeks and I was like, wait, you want me to go on dates with women and get paid for it? I was like, yeah, like, sure. <laughs> like, I'll, I'll do that. You're like, sign me up. And I didn't know that it was Netflix. They didn't really divulge any of the major details about it. I think that day I actually got on a Skype call and then I had two more set up for the following days. After the third Skype call, I got a message from the head of casting and he was like, yeah, we showed your calls and told the producers about you. They love you. The network has given you a thumbs up. The producers want to meet you in person tomorrow. And at that point, I was like, okay, well, can you tell me a little bit more about the show? I, I didn't know that much. I'm like, well, yeah, Aziz Ansari was one of the creators of the show. It's based off of like an episode from Master of None. It's going to be on Netflix. And it's Netflix's first dating original. So I was like, holy shit. Okay. The next day I meet the producers and we got along right away. They all came from The Bachelor and I have a friend who was a producer on The Bachelor and I was like, oh, do you know this girl? And one of the producers was like, I'm messaging her right now. But we took a selfie <laughs> with each other and sent it to our friend. 
And she's like, oh, my God, Luke Hawksworth, like, I totally love him. You should definitely, like, have him on the show and, like, all that. And so just, like, right off the bat, they're like, okay, like, let's do this. And we filmed two weeks later. So that's how it happened. And that's how you ended up here today. That's actually so crazy. You truly did manifest that. I have some thoughts and comments about the actual show. But first, I want to hear, what was your experience like dating these five girls on this show in the moment? How was it filming? Let me just say that I got to set at like 6 p.m. We filmed until 4 or 5 a.m. each night. It was long, mm-hmm. long nights. It was done over a week. Some dates I did on the same night. I went on dates with six girls. They only showed five. The poor six girl. I know. (laughs) You wouldn't want to see that anyway. It was also tough to keep up with like the dates and keep the energy up because it took so long. We filmed like the first scene meeting in front of the restaurant. They cut, reset the cameras, Mm -hmm. get us, you know, coming into the restaurant, cut, set the cameras up at the bar, get us talking at the bar, cut, move the cameras to the dining room, get us like doing dinner cut go to the car go on a walk go to the like cocktail lounge afterwards so it's all these minutes in between and it takes like a lot of time to move cameras and especially get lighting the way that they wanted so it's a lot Mm -hmm. just like sitting around and when we were filming you know obviously we were talking all that but when we cut they separated us so we couldn't talk with each other so we had to try to jump back into conversation and have it flow in a way and the entire time you know producers are saying like okay like ask this and talk about this and like Let's get a reaction to that. It was like very new to me. I had never done anything yeah. like that before. And so I was I was also like very nervous. The industry I'm in working as a real estate broker, my reputation is pretty valuable. And if I do or say something that's wrong or mm-hmm. offensive, it could really take a toll on the trajectory of my career. You could always just manifest your career back. <laughs> I don't I don't know. You're right. It was on my mind to like stay sort of easygoing with everything and not Mm -hmm. be too judgmental look i mean i already had a lot of things going against me i'm like the privileged white (laughs) guy who like i think they said i was in finance (sighs) whatever when this was getting released back out were they like hey you guys get to have a watch party and like see it first or was it like the minute everyone saw it was the minute the minute everyone saw it was the minute i saw it i (laughs) threw a big watch party for it it was quite fun actually but before because i knew i was going to be nervous i i didn't know what to expect with it so i was like all right i'm going to be nervous i'm going to be like feeling very vulnerable from being on the show and having everyone learn about my dating life and how I am on dates kind of like on TV. So Mm -hmm. I want to like get my friends to feel awkward and and weird too. So I did like a speed dating thing where (laughs) I think we had like 60 or 70 people and I made like a list of 25 questions that you're never supposed to ask anybody in the first date. And I printed them off and then we start with like drinks and food and stuff like that. And then when we moved to speed dating, I passed them out. And then what I would do is I would stand up and I would yell out two numbers and people would have to match up. They'd have to answer those questions that you're not supposed to ask anybody. You know, like, how much money do you make? So did that. And then after everyone was, like, laughing and feeling more exposed, then we turned it on and watched it. And I was, like, cringing. <laughs> you know, after talking to you for 30 minutes already, I just feel like you're a lot funnier and cooler than they portrayed you I to agree. be. I, I agree. Yeah, it was bland. It was very, very bland. It was so upsetting. I can't watch it. My palms are sweaty thinking about that dancing scene. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> So the show itself, was the editing different than what you expected it to be? It was very different. Yeah, because so many crazy things happened during those nights. I mean, there were so many better moments 
which I just didn't understand why they chose. Look, the first scene when I pulled up on a motorcycle, and by the way, I do ride motorcycles. <laughs> I was really excited for that scene. I was filming like riding a motorcycle down through Grand Central with Grand Central in the background, but they didn't show any of that. And it looked so badass. It was like a Top Gun scene. That's what you needed. It was like so disappointing when I saw they didn't have it in there, but it was only because we filmed the second date sequence at that same location Mm -hmm. on the same day. There were other moments with the girl Tiffany. We got really fucked up. I mean, we were drinking really heavily. (laughs) When I first would get to set, one of the producers... This like amazing British like gay guy Wesley. He's like was still one of my really great friends. He would just hand me a drink or a shot right when I walked in. The first question he'd ask is like, "What do you want to drink?" Also, how was your day? I was like getting pretty lit throughout the night, and with Tiffany in particular, we got so drunk and like to the point where like she actually started pulling out like a weed pen and like smoking it on oh. camera. like in the restaurant she ends up like punching the camera in the car at one point it got wild there were like more intimate moments with the girl betty but they ended it how they did and for what reason i don't know and obviously there were some articles written about me that were really nice and like oh he seems like a sweet guy and he's so understanding of all these girls and so accepting and he just seems like such a true gentleman. And then there's others that were like, oh, he's like a white piece of bread. Like, super boring and all this. I'm like, <laughs> fuck, you know? I have no qualms with, like, the people that were writing that. Because if I were to watch that show, I'm like, who is this douchebag on this show? Let's talk life today. We're in a pandemic. What's happening? A lot of real estate work got put on hold starting in March. And it gave me a lot of time to work on other projects that I had been slowly working on. Since I moved to LA in October, I started writing a book then. I was actually invited to talk on this panel about dating. And it was supposed to be like in late February or early March. And I was like, Mm -hmm. well, probably like have something to give to people or something like to talk more about dating and like my experience and like what I think about it. And really since dating around came out, for some reason, people that I know, they would ask me dating advice. I'm like, I don't know. Like I was on a dating show. I'm not like an expert at this. You're like, did you watch my episode? (laughs) Yeah. I started learning more about it and started doing my own research, digging into the questions that people would ask me and just how we can kind of maneuver through this new age of dating that we're in. So basically the book's called The Dating Journal. It's Mm -hmm. basically like a values-based approach to dating where it's used for you to figure out more about yourself, your values, what's important to you. I can't wait to read this. Where are people going to be able to buy this book? On Amazon and some select Barnes and Nobles. Barnes and Nobles are still around? They are. You may be able to get a front table in Barnes (laughs) and Noble in 2020. Luke, I end every podcast episode with pet peeves. I've never been on a reality TV show, so I can't really chime in on any pet peeves about that. But if you have some pet peeves for reality dating shows, I mean, like the main one is that like they aren't what they seem. Even with The Bachelor, you know, that's like a very raw look at things. But you'll listen to other podcasts from people on that show, and they'll tell you that a lot of it is overhyped. Like you don't see what goes into it beforehand. You'll see like the most dramatic moments. But you don't see what happens leading up to that or like how things really resolve. People need to understand that like with reality TV, it's for entertainment. It's not to learn from. It's like simply to drink or smoke some weed and watch and like laugh at. (laughs) Yeah, 
I have a thought, which I don't think is a pet peeve, but I hate that like reality TV, especially like TV dating shows is just cherry picking people like you, Luke. They get put on these shows and then they're idolized like all of the Bachelor people. And they're just normal people that now are like given into stardom. It's kind of crazy. Yeah, people idolize people that are on TV. That's like the simple fact of it. It doesn't matter what for. They can be terrible, but you'll get recognition and people will idolize you for doing that. And that is pretty annoying. Anyways, Luke, this was actually really fun. I'm glad you're not just another boring white guy. I enjoyed talking to you. Thanks, Luke. Thank you, Mallory. If you enjoyed today's podcast, go to our Instagram, follow us, give us a like, give us a shout out, tell your mom, tell your grandma, and leave us a comment. Thanks for joining us.